So I told this to Sarah, and she's like, no, no, please, no. We just escaped a religion. No, we just no. escaped a religion. Please, no, no. But then we're talking it through, okay, what could good religion be that, you know, doesn't just suck the spirituality and autonomy out of people, but allows for worship? What could good religion be? What could good religion be? So when I'm using mushrooms, psychedelics, I enter this mystical state of consciousness that I call the Sanctum Sanctorum, the Holy of Holies. And I believe this is where the divine exists. The Holy of Holies. Sanctum Sanctorum. Enter that space and really become one with the universe, receive these tremendous insights into myself, the world around me, a lot of healing. This is as profound an experience as anyone walking the earth has ever had. So much more profound. So much more profound. You know, spiritually speaking. It's really making me pause. I, I spent a lifetime in a religion, you know, doing all of the things that that religion dictates. I've never, never in that context have I had experiences remotely approaching this. This is so much more profound. So much more profound. So much more profound. How is this not religion? What could good religion be? What could good religion be? What we've created is you can consider a platform that brings in First Amendment and RIFRA protections for people to safely and sincerely worship. What could good religion be? So much more profound. This can't be the church of Steve. Mm -hmm. People ask me, are you a prophet? Are you a guide? No, I'm a lawyer. I'm a lawyer. <laughs> you know, I've created something that is legally safe. Now I want others to build on it. This is Infants on Thrones. Baby steps. Who wants someone to preach to? The philosophies of men. I like magical toys. Who wants religion to Mingled with humor. I don't believe in them. There will be many willing to preach to you the philosophies of men mingled with humor. We are evolving. Baby steps. You can buy in this world of money. the good in everything look for the people who will set your soul free it always seems impossible until it's done look for the good in everyone this is part four of my interview with steve urquhart enjoy so we we've been we've been talking recording for about three hours. We haven't really talked much at all about the divine assembly. Do, do you want to tackle that today? Do you want to reschedule and do another time where we talk about that? Um, just checking in with yeah. you guys. Yeah, we can do it. I mean, you know, I I think I can do it. I think I can tell the story well, uh, yeah. rather succinctly. All right, let's go. Tell okay. me about it. So. I, when I'm using mushrooms, psychedelics, I enter this mystical state of consciousness that I call the Sanctum Sanctorum, the Holy of Holies. And I believe this is where the divine exists. And so 
enter that space and really become one with the universe, receive these tremendous insights into myself, the world around me, a lot of healing. And so I'm thinking, wow, this is as profound an experience as anyone walking the earth has ever had, you know, spiritually speaking. But then I realized, well, other people in the ceremony, they're having similar experiences. So these are experiences that are accessible to everyone. And it's really making me pause. I, I spent a lifetime in a religion, you know, doing all of the things that that religion dictates. I've never, never in that context have I had experiences remotely approaching this. This is so much more profound than, than what I got from that setting. How is this not religion? And so then I'm thinking back to my dear friend, Cr Cliff Roski, who I've been talking about, the lawyer who uh, helped with the equality fight. And remember, a big part of this equality fight is we're fighting against God, registered mm -hmm. trademark, you know, we're fighting against Mormon God. And so Mormon God is swinging some incredible weaponry in the public arena through the First Amendment and the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, saying people don't have to bake cakes, they don't have to prepare flowers, they just don't have to serve, they don't have to do anything with same-sex marriages. And so Cliff and I became expert. He probably already was, but we became expert at First Amendment Religious Freedom Restoration Act and so I'm thinking, wow, these are profound religious experiences. Religion protects these kinds of experiences. There really should be religion to protect this. So I told this to Sarah, and she's like, no, no, please, no. We we just escaped a religion, please, no. And I'm telling my friends... Mm -hmm. ex-Mormons and they're like no please no <laughs> and uh so you know with them and I love that because that was my first instinct too I'm like no no but then we're talking it through okay what could good religion be that you know doesn't just suck the spirituality and autonomy out of people but allows for worship and so we think we've put that together with the divine assembly um, I ran it by this attorney, this law professor, Cliff Roski. So I'm telling it. And so he says, please tell me at the end of this story, you're going to ask me to be your attorney. And uh, so his help was vital in all this. And what we've created is you can consider a platform that brings in First Amendment and RIFRA protections for people to safely and sincerely worship. And they can enter this mystical state of consciousness in various ways. You know, people throughout, the, throughout history have entered that space through prayer, meditation, song, you know, the dervishes uh, by ecstatic dance. And also you can enter it through psychedelics. And in particular, you know, one that has been sacred to me is uh, psilocybin mushrooms. And so filed with the church and as a corporate nonprofit and uh, set it up and 
have invited people to come. We have a website, thedivineassembly.org. Um, we're on Facebook, Instagram as Mushroom Sacrament. Um, we've had two, you know, with COVID, tough to get together. So what we're doing is figuring, okay, mushrooms are connected through the mycelial network. Um, if you've seen the great movie, Fantastic Fungi, yep. um, they talk about the mycelial network, how it is a lot like the internet. We're like, okay, let's worship using the internet. So what we're doing is we will broadcast from different nodes where people are doing different things. Um, you know, Christine, what she has done during the two ceremonies is she'll paint. She's working on her watercoloring. And so I'm working to convince her to be one of the nodes and allow us to broadcast from her space where as people are worshiping in their living rooms with their family, with their closest friends, we can tune in and watch Christine paint. We can watch someone else play music. Someone else can lead us in a meditation. So that's how we're worshiping right now. We're getting ready for a live gathering for the summer solstice, which is June 20th, which happens to be my birthday. Um, so June 2021, um, go out in the desert and uh, have worship ceremony there with lots of music and um, lots of talks, lots of community. So that's part of what we're, what we're after is allowing people to worship. Our one tenet is that people can commune directly with the divine and receive guidance for their lives. So when you have that as one tenet, why do you need any other tenets? If you can receive direct guidance from the divine, why do you care what I think? What do you care how I tell you a life is well lived? You know, let's, let's build each other through testimony, through shared stories, through integration. But whatever my experiences are, they're authoritative to me, but they shouldn't really mean that much to you. Same with your experiences. I'm interested in them, but whatever you encountered of the divine, I don't have to believe that. I don't have to believe that's reality. You know, hopefully I believe, yeah, Glenn had a great experience. Christine had a great experience. That meant something to them. And I'm glad they got something out of it. You know, I, that was cool, but I don't happen to believe that God is a giant squid, you know, or whatever it was that gave you that message. That's just mm -hmm. how the universe presented to you and was teaching you at that moment. Mm -hmm. So, so when did you, when did you found the, the church? Was it in 2020? Yeah. Did it in uh, uh, June, June, in July. And you know, it's funny how the world works. Um, so I was working with, the University of Utah. And again, I do think that uh, battling the church so publicly on cannabis, I think that hurt me there big time. Um, so it wasn't that great a fit. And plus, uh, I was doing global stuff for the institution. It's not global. <laughs> um, compared to, I'm going to say, since you're in Arizona, Arizona State University is one of the great American universities now. It's unbelievable what it's doing, including on the global front. It, it gets what global is. But so, you know, I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, okay, I'm kind of holding back on some of these things because University of Utah is a state institution. I know it will get grief for these things. So I figured, okay, I'm done. 
at the end of June. So that's really when I got rolling on the divine assembly and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm confused what you were doing with the university of Utah. So global ambassador, um, working on global efforts, um, which it's not really that global. So that it wasn't a great fit, but then I think they didn't oh, know. Th- this is with me. as, as cannabis advocacy. Is no, that no, what you're just no. an employee there working mm-hmm. on, on education. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Education. Research opportunities for faculty and students abroad, mm-hmm. um, bringing in international students, things like that. Mm-hmm. Now I continue to teach, uh, in the medical school, the division of public health. I teach two courses there on health policy. Um, so I enjoy that. Um, I come and visit on those occasions too. Yeah. Christina's taught in several of my classes. Um, but you know, I'm glad that I'm freed of that full-time employment, uh, because I don't have to worry about, okay, how will this reflect on the university? What will legislators do to retaliate? You know, I kind of have no strings at this point. So that's allowed me to be really bold about the divine assembly. My kids are grown and out of the house and, um, you know, Sarah's completely supportive of this. So I figure this is to have religious sanction. It can mean so much for so many people. You know, Christine and I are do-gooders at heart. And so these therapeutic uses that are coming to the forefront, that's great. It's awesome. I believe in it. But who's it really going to help? It's probably going to help affluent white people, right? Mm -hmm. That anytime you're talking therapy, medicine, licenses, you're carving, you're excluding a lot of the population. Whereas religious protection can protect everyone. And the criteria there, there's some great case law on it where two ayahuasca churches, um, they received judicial sanction. One of them, uh, unanimous Supreme Court decision, looking and saying, okay, what they're doing is safe, and it obviously is sincere. This is religion. DEA, give them back their ayahuasca, help them import it in the future. And so Divine Assembly is wanting to use that case law to provide even a broader area where people can worship the divine using psychedelics. So have, have you had any pushback at all from the, the state of Utah? Mm, no, no, not yet. You know, part of it is we're new we're small. I don't know how much on the radar we are. Um, I'm not hiding it. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, reaching out to government agencies saying, Hey, I want you to know, this is what's going on. This is how we're doing it. It is safe. It is sincere. Um, it, I was, my wife and I, Sarah, we walk just about every morning. We were walking by the Capitol and, uh, one morning, uh, there was a meeting. And so one Senator pulled up and, uh, you know, was just kind of ribbing me about it, but good natured, about it and saying, Hey, this is awesome. I love that you're, you know, leading out on it. So another Senator pulled up and said, Hey, I signed up for your church. What do we do next? Really? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so what, what does somebody do if they sign up for your church? Is there tithing? Nope. No, no one's, no one's charged any money. Um, so 
it's just on the website, divineassembly.org, thedivineassembly.org. Um, just name and email, mm-hmm. and then they're a member. You know, I think we're born authorized. We're, we're born with permission, so they don't need any kind of blessing or setting apart. Uh, they just affiliate, and then they get the legal protection if they're safe and sincere. So the church is promoting safety, sincerity, any individual user uh, law enforcement look to see, are they being safe? Are they being sincere? So even the bit about name and email, if people are nervous about that now, case law, freedom of association, those lists, the police could never get, they could never require, but taking on a new name is a venerable religious tradition. So (laughs) if, if someone wanted to make up a name and create, an email account that's fine too mm-hmm. could, could you make up a name in an email for someone who's dead i'm just making um, a joke about the uh doing 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 proxy <laughs> wow we might need to think about you do do, do ceremonies for, for and on behalf of <laughs> blank who is dead <laughs> I'm, I'm often game for bad ideas <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, so, so how many, how many members do you have at this point? We're at, we're at about 500 now. And, and of those 500, how many of them actually interact with each other as part of a, a larger group or organization? How many of them are just individually doing what they do? I'm going to say a lot more than 500. Um, I'm just blown away by how many people participate in our ceremonies. Um, we, we have lots and lots and lots of people tuning in. And some of those are going to be by themselves. Uh, mm-hmm. Christine, I think you're, you've been by yourself painting both mm-hmm. times. Uh, you know, my wife and some daughters have been home. They've attended just doing jigsaw puzzles. That's how mm-hmm. they choose to worship. But then other nodes, people are saying that, you know, they'll have six, eight, ten people there and tell me stories about what they did during the ceremony. So I don't know what it averages out to per node, as we're calling them. But I think we have uh, a lot of people who are attending this. And when we when we get further developed, when we meet in person, I think our numbers are not that it matters, but I think they're going to go up significantly. Agreed. So how, how do you justify that this is a religion? I mean, great question. What is religion, right? It's, it's something that someone sincerely believes. And so um, the funny thing is, legally, it's the spiritual giants at the Internal Revenue Service uh, and the Drug Enforcement Agency that have a big say in determining whether something is a religion. And so they look to see, do you have a place where you meet? Do you have doctrine? Do you train clergy? Do you proselytize? All of those things. Um, courts, what, what they're really looking at is, what is someone doing? Is this changing someone's life? And so the best I can, you know, the most straightforward answer I can give you is tell you what these two ayahuasca courts were looking at. And again, one being the United States Supreme Court, the other is that an Oregon uh, United States District Court. They look to see what the behavior of the individuals is. 
And in both cases, they found people. These were both Brazilian sects that they had adopted. They looked to see what were the people doing before they joined? What are they doing after they joined? And now remember, if you don't want to bake a cake for someone and say it's your sincerely held religious belief, they're just going to take your word for it. But if you want to use a schedule one controlled substance, they're going to do a cavity search. Mm. So they look to see <laughs> what other substances are the people using? Uh, how often do they worship? What is their worship like? You know, in one of the cases, someone even learned Portuguese uh, to better participate and learn the songs in Portuguese. So what they saw is people whose lives were governed around this. So what I, you know, you can kind of see this, right? People join a religion and their behavior changes. It should, right? That's why we do this. So what I tell people is what I do is I, and this comes from my friend, John Carlo, my guide, as he was telling me that, uh, you know, some of my past beliefs no longer served me afterwards when I'm telling him the experience, I, he's just so colorful and wonderful. He's just imagine he, he, he's not holding any paper, but he's flipping pages and he's just like going along, like he's reading and he's just disgusted with what he's reading and he's ripping up the pages, wadding them up and throwing them away. And so I said, what on earth are you doing? And, uh, he said, he said, I'm just looking at the contract you've been living by. He said, someone else wrote it. And mm. it, that contract is not yours. I'm going to invite you to really write up a new contract. And so that's what I would show a court. If they wanted to ask about my life, how it's different, then I would say, here are the things that I will do. Here are the things that I won't do. Here are the values that govern my life. This is my creed. This is my religious philosophy. Now, remember, I'm against top-down hierarchical dogma. I've had enough of it. I don't need Dallin Oaks to tell me how to run my life. I don't need to tell anyone how to run their life. If I'm your religious shaman, man, you're doing something wrong. And uh, so what I do is I invite people to create their own contract. What is important to them? If they decide that they're going to enter this mystical state of consciousness what have they learned there what are the insights and so you know my contract is is constantly changing as i learn new insights but this is my doctrine for steve mm -hmm. these are the lessons that i've learned you know through this call today through this podcast i've i've seen one or two things differently i'm going to alter my contract mm -hmm. and that is my doctrine that is my religion and so I'm sure courts will say, well, you can't, this isn't a religion. You can't let people create their own doctrine, their own guidepost. Well, that's what I'm doing. And, and yes, it is not puritanical. It is not how other churches do it, but this is how we're doing it. And we're laying out the case of why this is religion. Yeah. So, so one of the, one of the horrible thoughts that just popped into my head was Ron and Dan Lafferty and you know that that whole story about uh, what, what was that book uh, the crack hour book under the banner of heaven under the banner of heaven yeah the, these these guys who as fundamentalist Mormons they believed that God was telling them that they needed to kill their sister-in-law and they went on this you know murder spree and and sort of thing what what if something let's like say, that happened let's say let's say her name Erica Wright 
Okay. Eric. People always say the Lafferty's rights. We always remember the killers we've made famous. Mm-hmm. We don't remember the victims. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, if, if, if you had a, a node of the divine assembly and there were people who were getting together and they're in this altered state and they start getting some wonky messages and start feeling like, Oh, this is that God's telling us to do this or that, or steal cars or, you know, like uh, other things like that. How would that reflect upon the church? And are there any kind of protections put in place to avoid those kinds of things? Um, yeah, and let me correct myself. They killed Brenda and Erica Lafferty. Brenda, I know Brenda's sister. I know Erica's uh, aunt. She's Erica I was ran, the infant. Erica was the yeah, a year old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I ran a bill to repeal the death penalty, and so uh, the sister, the aunt, she was my constituent. She was the first call I made, saying, "Hey, I'm thinking of something crazy. I want your opinion." And so, by the way, she said, run it. She said, this has been a hollow and cruel promise that the state made to us. We have not had a chance to heal and to move on. So she's a big advocate for repealing the death penalty. Um, so the, the thing is, what the Lafferty's did is they said that God had talked to them and other people should follow the things that God told them. Yeah. And that's what we're laying out is if someone says, hey, God told me you should do thus and such or, hey, you need to do thus and such. That's anathema to our foundation. We don't believe in any kind of dogma that anyone has authority over you. We don't believe that anyone should strip your autonomy to tell you what to do. You know, you look at most religions. What do most religions do? They start with these powerful noetic experiences where someone Mm -hmm. sees something amazing but that is religion but then immediately dies because they say everyone else has to believe in what i just saw and so in psychedelics that's just not how it should work you do see that sometimes i'm going to say especially in ayahuasca where people are like this is the one true way to do this there's there's not one true way to do this stuff and so you know, what we're saying is, look, you are autonomous. Don't believe that people, other people tell you how to run your life. Figure out how to run your own life. Let's have a lot of help in that guidance, but you are on an autonomous being. What, what, what would you think about, and I, it sounds like the, if there is a creed or an article of faith for the uh, divine assembly, it's to... Uh, respect everyone's experience with the divine. Yeah. I mean, the one tenet is you can commune directly with the divine and receive guidance in your life. And so then we immediately say it it flows from that, that you don't need anyone else to tell you how to live. So yeah, it is. Then we talk a lot about community, which it's about a safe, supportive community. What does a safe, supportive community look like? Yeah. And those are places. Like the 10 commandments, thou shalt not kill thou shalt not rape thou shalt not you know steal yeah. like uh, any kind of creeds like that to keep people's experience with the divine kind of pointing in that way of healthy safe community well so now you're you're getting into the tougher questions of 
okay, it's great to say that I want to found a safe, supportive community, and then I want to drop back. This this can't be the church of Steve. Mm-hmm. People ask me, are you a prophet? Are you a guide? No, I'm a lawyer. I'm a lawyer. <laughs> you know, I've created something that is legally safe. Now I want others to build on it. Mm-hmm. And so what that means is if people say, yeah, I believe in this. I believe that I can commune with the divine and receive direct guidance and, and that psychedelics can help with that. Psilocybin mushrooms can help. I want to be part of this. Then come on the platform. And how do they find safe guides? How do they find right. safe integration therapists? Because yeah. right now it's pretty damn dangerous. Yeah. What do people do? What is the current state? Well, they, they, they heard about someone, right? Somebody went to someone. They don't know if this person is good or not. They don't have Yelp reviews. Right. <laughs> they just don't know. They go, which is, yeah. which that's the situation. You go to your local Catholic church, you go to your local Mormon Boy Scout troop, or at least, you know, your Mormon quorum or whatever. These people aren't Yelp reviewed. You don't know if these people are pervs or not. And in the beauty of psychedelics is it gets us in this vulnerable state of consciousness where we're subject to suggestion. We're subject to a lot of things, which means we can be absolutely subject to predation. Yeah. It's a very dangerous, it's a wonderful spot. It's a potentially dangerous spot. So how do we improve on that scenario where people just go to the one guide they heard of because someone said this person's good. And I've, I've been with some bad guides. I know some bad guides who are out there. So part of this, I'm driven by the safe community. How do we improve it? I'm thinking one of the best things that's out there right now is the Yelp review, the Mm -hmm. Uber review review. And so I would like to get to a point where if people want to do, if they're doing Reiki, they're guiding, they're doing integration services. If they say, Hey, I would love to help people who are in this psychedelic space. Well, okay go ahead and on this platform, say that you're willing to do that. But safety means you're going to, there's going to be reviews of what you do. And let's go ahead and rate them one to five. And if they fall below a certain number, then, uh, you know, they fall off the platform. They can't, they can't say, I mean, everyone just sees we're not going to go to these people. That, that almost sounds like by common consent. Yes. To have an element of, of common consent in the yeah. uh, divine assembly to to vet who the, the 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 people are that are the safe guides who are not and that sort yeah. of thing. Yes. Well, that's the beauty of the world we live in right now is it's being massively disintermediated that we're getting rid of the middleman. Mm-hmm. So think of all since the three of us have Mormon background. My God, think of all the middlemen that stand between you and salvation are you and the divine yeah. my god i mean you know you have you have all the general authorities you have state presidents you have bishops you have all sorts of people that they're the filter by which you reach the divine now they would argue no you can do it through prayer you can't mm-hmm. any response to prayer any experience you have with the divine it has to conform to what other people say if it doesn't, then you're on the path to excommunication. Mm-hmm. You're on the path to apostasy, right? Mm-hmm. That's the weird person who gets up in fasting testimony meeting. That's when my eyes go up and other, everyone else, their eyes go down. 
<laughs> is someone wants to tell you an experience they had with the divine that's off script. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're going to they're gonna receive, they're going to be invited into the bishop's office to never say that again, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I love that, that we, we live in an age where it is possible for us to be equals. And religion has not been disintermediated. The middleman exists in every religion I'm aware of. So wouldn't that be fun to create the world we want to live in, yeah. where we can worship directly with the divine and no one is over anyone else, yet there's a way that we can build safe community and keep each other safe and secure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That sounds like something worth doing to me. Yeah. Agreed. It does. Mm. All right. Well, so we've, we've been going for three and a half hours. Said a lot. Mm-hmm. How, how are you feeling, Steve? I'm is, good. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't? Um. I recovered, recovered a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, here, I guess, is an appeal for anyone who, uh, you know, has, has listened to this. Uh, I do believe that I have built a legally sound platform where people can worship God as they or the divine as they wish. And that includes using uh, controlled one or schedule one controlled substances, if they're safe and sincere. That's basically the extent of what I can do. I'm a lawyer. I don't have many skills other than that. I want people to build on this platform. What, what do people have to offer, you know, that they come with a sincere open heart? They believe they can provide some services for people in this space come build on the platform you know you don't need my authorization you don't need my permission just come build something safe and sincere you know this is an opportunity for people constantly to be defining what this community is how this religious how this religion interfaces with the world down the weapons that you use against yourself you don't need them anymore hang on a second there elder jason f moraz now i i do want to lay down the weapons that i use against myself but first i have something to say concerning these people Actually, I have something to say concerning religion and faith in general. I recorded a message that I sent to fellow infant Tom Perry the other day, and I'm going to play a snippet of that for you here, and then I will expound upon it further, for I sincerely love both pounding and expounding. I think you know what I mean. So I find it funny with, uh, like when you talk about religion, you asked that question the other day. How how are the ways that I'm viewing the world different than what a religion would say? You know, and and we used to have this conversation with John Hamer a lot, where he, where he'd say that word religion doesn't mean anything. And what I think, I, I disagree with that. I think the world with the word religion means a lot, but what it means is different to a lot of different people. And once you've come out of this, like like we have, of a religion that was really making us uncomfortable for a lot of reasons and a different a lot of different levels of discomfort and pain and anguish and 
sense of betrayal and anger and all of that stuff, being lied to, being manipulated. It just taints the whole idea of religion. And we kind of just want to destroy religion. But we don't. <laughs> Instead, we create this straw man of all things that are bad, and we call it religion. And, it, you know, like, it's not really the religion that was the problem. It was the manipulation that was the problem. It wasn't the, the faith in something that we hope for but can't be seen that was the problem. It was the way that that got used to try to control our behavior and, and make us feel unworthy and make us feel like, you know, you, you got to pay your tithing and do all this stuff and look like everybody else and conform, conform, conform. You know, it was that kind of stuff. But that's not religion. It happens in religion. It happens a lot in religion. But that's not religion. So what is? Like, what is religion? And Are we really going to destroy religion where we just destroy the whole concept of what religion is in our mind and no longer think of religion even as a thing? Because it gets in the way, I think, when, when we've created this symbol of religion is bad, net negative, the world would be a better place without religion. Well, if it would, then how about you start with your own mind and get rid of these views of religion that are unhealthy and, and really whittle it down to the heart of the issue. It's not the religion, it's the manipulation. It's when people take advantage of other people, when people are dishonest with other people and then whittle that down. So it's dishonesty that's the problem. It's, it's trying to control other people that's the problem. And then whittle it down even more. Am I dishonest with people? Am I trying to control people? Am I trying to manipulate the outcome? You know, to me, that's this whole trajectory of... I don't know if that's the trajectory of Infants on Thrones, or the trajectory of Glenn Ostland, or the trajectory of ex-Mormons leaving the Mormon Church. I don't know. But it's, it's the way that I'm seeing things. And, and I think where I send out these messages and people aren't really understanding what I'm saying. Maybe we're in different headspace. I don't know. Maybe I just don't understand what I'm saying. I'm just blabbering. That's always a very strong possibility, too. As someone who likes to hear the sound of his own voice, which I do, and like to hear my own thoughts back. I like listening to myself. I, I, I like having these discussions with myself. And in fact, I think that's all that I'm ever doing, and I think that's all that any of us are ever doing, whether we give our own... Uh, mind the way that we're interpreting what other people are saying we think that that's the other person or we recognize oh yeah that is me <laughs> i'm in a constant uh conversation with myself all the time of what i th what i think this world is and people are anyway see how i can blabber and i'm gonna love listening back to it I promise you so i i think this whole thing about religion just Destroy it. Like, pick it up like a dandelion and blow on it. and Watch all the spores go. And get to the heart of the matter. Are you being dishonest with people? Are you lying to people? Are you trying to manipulate? Are, are you setting up the conditions in your life where you're only happy if the people around you conform to what it is that you think they should do? Because that's what you were pissed off that the Mormon church was doing, right? You know, it's, it's these kinds of questions that, I, that I'm really interested in. All right, so why did I share that clip? What does what I just said there to Tom have anything to do with magic mushrooms or Steve Urquhart or the Divine Assembly? Well, what have you heard over the past four episodes? 
assuming that you've listened to all of the last four episodes, I'll tell you what I've heard. I've heard a man in Steve Urquhart who is willing to open up his heart to thousands of strangers on a podcast. I heard a man embrace his flaws and imperfections, a man who's been super turned on by a type of deep religious spiritual healing that he had once thought was unavailable to him forever. Now, I have people tell me all the time that these long-form interviews like this, they're just too long, that I should edit out the irrelevant stuff and just get to the interesting stuff more quickly. But how can I possibly do that for this four-part series without carving the heart right out of Steve's story? Now, I'm sure that there are people out there who just wanted to hear what you got in part four. They just want to know, what do I need to do to join this Divine Assembly Church and get legal protections to do psychedelics? They don't particularly care about Steve Urquhart or Christine Stenquist or the various lessons that life has taught them so far that they were so willing and open and sharing with us. You just want to skip all that and get to the good stuff or whatever you think the good stuff is. Now, I know I'm totally making up these people in my own mind right now. Maybe they exist and maybe they don't. But I just want all of you to know the reason that I'm saying all of this, the reason that I say any of this, It's because it is such a privilege for me to be able to sit down with someone like Steve and Christine, these complete strangers who I'd never previously met or spoken to, and get these absolutely honest, raw, vulnerable stories about people who've transformed their entire world from a state of isolated hopelessness, a place of such despair that they wanted to end their own lives, to the state of greater self-awareness, acceptance, and love. It's such a privilege for me to see this and to recognize what they're doing as an expression of something that they call divine. So, okay, I can call it divine too. I mean, why not? What better word to use for such a transformation like that than divine? And come to think of it, isn't that really what religion actually is? I mean, when religion is doing the thing that religion has traditionally done so well, so much better than any other man-made system of social organization that the world has ever seen. Uh, What do I mean by religion? I mean a set of traditional stories, customs, beliefs, fictions that bind people together. Fictions that promote values that are good for everyone, not just for a chosen few. Promoting values like repentance, recognizing our harmful actions towards others, and changing that harmful behavior in ourselves. That's a pretty good value, right? Values like forgiveness, the laying down of hatred, blame, anger, self-righteousness, both towards ourselves and towards others, the willingness to look for the good, look for the good in everything, and find the hidden gifts behind even our most tragic failures and mistakes. I mean, that's a pretty good value, right? And what about kindness and charity, the desire to remove suffering as much as possible, to calm and soothe those who are in pain? to desire healing of all wounds for everyone. Everyone, 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 everyone. Everyone needs sunshine. Everyone needs rain. Everyone is carrying around some kind of pain. I see who you are. You're just like me. I see you're searching for a purpose. Guided by a dream. I see who you are. Just like you I get lost sometimes And I forget what I came here to do I 
keep on trying Yeah, so repentance, forgiveness, kindness, charity, thankfulness. That's right, now I've got gratitude. Yes, I do. Okay, yeah, gratitude. Gratitude. Now, weren't those some of the main messages that were programmed into our malleable Mormon minds in Sunday school and primary when we were kids? Yeah, sure, they were dressed up and... Mormon symbolism and they were confused. The symbol became confused for the thing that it was symbolizing. All too often, those symbols become the focus even more of what's actually being symbolized. And then they get used as a way to control and manipulate behavior. But that doesn't make those values bad. It, it simply invites us to really lean into those values, if they are values that we truly value at all. Am I wrong about that? Because isn't this really what all religions are ultimately pointing to, regardless of the different stories and symbols that are created to point the way? Of course there are distortions of that ultimate goal of religion. And I really don't care about religion. <laughs> I really don't. What I care about is peace of mind, human peace of mind, and that's what I heard from Steve in this interview. I heard these values that commonly get associated with religion, but then get pushed out when the symbols of religion are found to be faulty. But the fact is that this thing, these values, the, the promise to lead us, guide us, walk beside us, and help us find the way, the way to what? To peace? To heaven? Not only heaven after death, but a heaven, yea, verily, <laughs> even the very keys to building a kingdom of heaven right here on earth. Right here within my own mind. Nothing outside can bother me. I've just got a heaven right here in my mind. I'm walking around carrying it on my shoulders. Isn't that what religion is really trying to do? Isn't it the distortion of those values that really puts such a bad taste in our mouths about religion in the first place? So, look, I, I don't know really what I want to say here. I don't want it to be super preachy, and I feel like it's getting super preachy. <laughs> I just want to thank Steve for coming on and sharing his story. I want to thank him for setting up this organization, the Divine Assembly. I'm really going to be interested to see how that goes over the next few months, few years. I hope that it's something that people really do take with sincerity, the same kind of sincerity that Steve is showing here, looking inward, finding those areas that need to be fixed in ourselves, in our own hearts and minds, and using the tools that Steve talks about in a safe way, with sincerity to really connect with the divine, that part of ourselves that really is eternal. <laughs> Even if we're just talking about the atoms in our body that we don't really know anything about, that's us too, right? The materials that we're made out of were baked in the stars. We are the universe examining itself. What is that if not divine? So I wanna thank all of you who have listened to this. And I, I want to remind everyone that you're not alone. You might feel like you're alone sometimes, you might feel down sometimes. You might feel discouraged sometimes. I do. But we really, truly are all in this together. I really appreciate that you listen to this podcast and have listened to this podcast for as long as you've been doing it. I've been doing it for eight and a half years. Certainly changed a lot over those eight and a half years. And I've been meeting more listeners recently. 
You may have heard in previous episodes where I talk about my life coaching practice that I'm building. I've had several listeners reach out and take me up on life coaching. It has been so great getting to know them, getting to help them, to encourage them. The biggest thing that I do in this is to mirror to other people what they're telling me, what it is that they want in their life, what it is that they feel like is getting in the way. And then I listen really carefully and I'm really good at (laughs) to find those things. What are those limiting beliefs that you have that are getting in the way of your own life goals? And that's the role of a life coach. And if any of you are interested in taking me up on my services, please reach out and we could help each other through these uncertain times. Thank you again for listening to Infants on Thrones. Put down the weapons that you use against yourself. You don't need them anymore. Hey there, thanks for listening all the way to the end. Now, I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode. I have more to say about this topic, and I'm going to do that with a follow-up behind-the-scenes sharing time episode on Patreon. So, if you're in a position where you can throw me a few dollars each month to support the work that I put into creating this podcast, please come and support me on Patreon, where you'll also get access to additional content. Did you know that I also create sharing time episodes that are available only to Patreon subscribers? I've been doing that for a few years, so there's a lot of content there that you can have access to. So please come and support this podcast if you can. I greatly appreciate it. Hi, this is Hillary. Matthew, Ryan, Carol, Ashley, and I like to play bingo online while listening to Infants on Thrones. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. I did. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? My worst crime is an inside job. Dark thoughts taking over like an inside mob. I tune into the scene between the eyes and take a breath. Thank you for listening to Infants on Front. I sit still and watch the thoughts flow past me. Never mind the future, never mind what the past be. I like to jump and let the universe catch me. Three, four, watch the beauty blow past me. I keep my pockets like destination in sight. Keep my actions elevated to compassionate heights. I'm walking past the fight, laying down arms of the night. Choosing love when I pick up this mic.